Uh, is this thing still on? It's been a while. This show's been on hiatus for a couple of months. I told you that Doug and I were going to put something together, the likes of which you had not ever seen before, and I still plan to do that. But it's not going to happen in the immediate future because I've got bigger things on my plate right now. So what I wanted to do was, well, something. And uh, Doug and I started talking, and he said, Hey, um, hey, remember the Deeper Thought podcast you did a couple of years ago? Doug and I decided that we could go through some of those episodes. Over the next several weeks, several months, you're going to get access to what you previously weren't able to. Hopefully, this little provocation will help you sell something that you haven't sold before. And uh, stay tuned for these episodes as they drop week over week. I think you're going to take something away from them. I know you're going to be entertained by them. And uh, I just, I can't wait to talk to you again real soon. My name's Jeff Bajoric, and my career in sales has been a hell of a ride. And I want to bring you along with me. If you prefer to sell things at a premium, if you never want to win a deal on price, rethink the way you sell. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. I'm Jeff Bajoric. I'm your host, and I'm here to help you rethink the way you sell. I'm going to talk about this idea of, or this concept of never being good enough. You know, I mean, it's it's one of the frustrating things about selling even and or especially when you're doing well is that at the end of the year, you count everything up. It's great. It's more than what was expected. They say thank you. And then they reset the counter to zero and they ask you to do it again, except how about 10 percent more this time? Man, that's like getting punched in the face every new year. <laughs> you know, it's coming. It doesn't matter. It's still a shock to see that stark contrast between where you were December 31st or whatever the last day of your fiscal year is and where you are day one of the new one. So how do we change that perspective? How do we keep our swagger a little bit? Well, first thing I want to challenge you to do is think back. I want you to think back a few years. And I want you to think where you were maybe five years ago, maybe two years ago, maybe six months ago. What have you done since then that you thought you'd never do? That's kind of a perspective kick in the pants, isn't it? To think back and like, wow, I'm, I'm in the grind. I'm moving. I'm doing everything I can. Man, it's hard, but I'm working. Uh, uh, and you're, you're grinding. You're, you're trying to make something happen. It's easy to get caught up in that frustration, in that struggle, and forget about all the cool stuff that you've done that you've forgotten about. So refresh your own memory. I also want to bring something up and I'm, I'm going to share a, another um, old recording with you. I, I went on at length about this. Is this idea that, yes, you're grinding away, but do you realize that you're making a choice? And if you're dissatisfied right now because you feel like you can never be good enough, do you realize how few people actually are as good as you? And there is only so much time that a, an A player or a top performer sits on the bench, right? Like if you don't like your current situation, then consider going and moving that situation somewhere else. And if that is off the table, then recognize that you're making a choice right now. 
So I want to share this Deeper Thought, former Deeper Thought recording with you. I, I talked about this, got into some really good stuff. I'm going to come back with you and, and wrap up with some of my final um, comments and, and give you some things to think about on the other side of this. But pay close attention. Maybe take some notes here. I, I want you to spend some time in thought with some of the things that I'm going to share with you over the next few minutes. And I'll talk to you again with you here real soon. This came up in conversation yesterday, this concept that you sometimes it feels like you can never be good enough in sales. Like there's always someone who wants more from you. There's always something or, or some time where it feels like you're coming up just a little bit short. And it really doesn't matter how successful you are. It's just this feeling and in, in, um, sometimes this drive to continually get better actually perpetuates this and accentuates this. And um, it can be really damaging if you don't take stock of where you are and particularly of where you were before. So, you, you know, kind of recognizing your growth and development to get from where you were to where you are right now. If you're listening to this show, you're really good at what you do. Not necessarily because you listen to this show, but there's a correlation there, right? So um, I, I just, before I even get into this, I want you to stop just for a second. I want you to think about the things that you've accomplished that maybe five years ago, you never would have thought you would have. And you want to have a great day? Do that like first thing in the morning. I don't know, once a month or, or more regularly, but at least once a month. Give yourself credit, pat yourself on the back a little bit because you're real good at what you do. So there's this concept, we've all heard it, right? That the customer's always right. I firmly disbelieve that, but that is one of those prevailing beliefs out there. And um, that leads to this lack of leverage. And um, I, I hinted at that a, a few episodes ago when I talked about the danger of, you know, just chasing the low-hanging fruit. And, and go check that out if you want a little more on that concept. But um I grew up in medical device sales, right? I was um, selling to physicians, surgeons, orthopedic surgeons in my um, particular, uh, you know, in, in my particular field. Those were my customers. And listen, you want to believe or, or you want to uh, work with someone who believes they're important. It's a surgeon, right? They literally cut people open. Um, in this case, they put Humpty Dumpty back together again, close him or her back up, and they you know, some live to walk again, right? Um, they, in some cases, go on to perform better or even, you know, the same or better than they were before they were injured, before they broke something, before whatever, right? So look, there's, there's a ton of value in what they do, but ego runs rampant. And then what's really interesting is in response to ego, everybody else's egos get flared up a little bit. And so other people in the supply chain, other people in the, the operating rooms, other people in the offices, they start to treat you as less than pretty quickly. And all this stuff starts to kind of spin almost out of control. And so you've got this concept that the customer's always right. They always need something yesterday. They're not... Um, afraid to raise their voice or not treat you well. And there's this kind of this attitude like, well, look, if you're not going to do this for us, then we'll find someone else who will. You see where this is going? I know med device is not the only place this happens. So whatever industry you're in, 
chances are that you're feeling something like this. And we're getting to the end of the year. There's a ton of pressure. We know COVID happened, but there are a lot of companies pretending that COVID didn't happen because their investors still demand results because, hey, the stock market's still doing well, so we need to continue to perform. I digress. You're in a cycle where it's easy to feel as if the work that you're doing, even the great work that you're doing, is unappreciated. And you know what happens? January 1st comes and the counter resets to zero. Nice work, bud. Do it again. <sighs> I've felt that. I don't like it. It feels unfair because, like I said, you're an A player if you're listening to shows like this. Or you're soon to be an A player if you're listening to shows like this. And um, you're worth more than that. You're better than that. You deserve better than that. So what I want to do is today is just call out this idea that, you know, you need to or that you can never be good enough. Right. There's because it doesn't matter how good you get. They're always they're always going to ask for more. So let me um, remind you, let me tell you, if you haven't thought about this before, that you have options. There are choices out there for you to make. You're not stuck. Um, Mike Weinberg likes to talk about this. There are no unemployed A players. There are not enough A players to go around. And if you're an A player, you have options. You are hireable. I was taught this early on. There is always room for good sales talent. And so there is a plan. There is a way out. There's always an option for someone like you. So know that. And if you don't believe that, then hit me up. Let's talk about it. Because there's a lot of garbage out there about, you know, needing industry experience and, and all these other things. I ran into that. I knew that I was not being considered for positions. Um, even though were I to be hired, I would sell circles around whoever they ended up hiring, but they didn't like the look of my resume because it was too industry specific or whatever. But there are ways around that now. And um, there are enough people out there who can connect you with the right people who will look beyond that lack of industry experience. And they know that A players are hard to find. So there's room out there for someone like you. Um, I also want to remind you that you don't do anything that you don't really want to do. So the entirety of your situation could be that maybe you just don't want to change. Maybe there's something about your situation that although it is undesirable, it's still comfortable enough because it's what you're used to. And that brings up a uh, just a, a concept here. Um, you may be choosing to stay here. And maybe you review all your options. Maybe even though you don't like your job, you don't like the way you're treated, it feels like a rat race, you're in the hamster wheel, all that. By staying in that and choosing not to leave, you are choosing to stay. And in that, it is a choice. And so maybe you don't need to change the way you feel about your situation. You just need to change the way you feel about your choice to stay in that situation. For example, 
both my parents retired within the last 10 years. Um, my dad a little bit sooner than my mom, but both of them retired about a year or so after they were told they could retire. So it's really interesting is my, both my parents, they would lament going to work the last few years. It's just tough. You're getting tired. They both had tough jobs. Um, they were both to a certain extent underappreciated in their roles. It's a very good analogy here. And, um, they were told that they could retire. And, and in this case, they, they both had the same financial advisor too. So, you know, their, their advisor said, you know, look, you can hang it up tomorrow if you want. You're good. Based on all the calculations, being a little bit conservative, everything, you're good to go if you didn't want to go to work tomorrow. You know what they did? They kept going to work. Despite all of the turmoil, despite all of the inner, you know, dialogue, it was, yep, we're going to go back. And you know what? They felt better about going back because they knew it was a choice this time. There was something in it for them. They did not have to do it, but they saw the outcome if they stayed and they liked it. They made a little bit of extra money. In this case, my, or in his case, my dad, you know, heard rumors of a round of buyouts and severances and things. And he said, well, sure, I can hang on for six, seven more months, um, you know, do the work, get paid for the work, and then collect a, a buyout without having to work. That's a good deal. Cool. That's that's quite nice. So that was more than worth the trade-off for him. My mom didn't get the same kind of treatment, but it was very similar. She said, I'd, I'd like to add a little bit of cushion, and maybe this isn't as bad as I thought it would be. And um, so she did the same. So it's just really interesting when you make the choice. So look, is your situation so bad that you need to leave? and you're afraid to? Or is your situation um, really something that's easy to complain about because your colleagues are complaining about it, but as soon as you recognize that you're making a choice to do it, it feels better? When I look to get out of my situation, it took someone from a third-party point of view to say, you know what you're being asked to do is unreasonable, right? And I said, well, no, that's just, you just don't understand. That's just, this is how it is. And she said, from where I'm standing, it sounds completely unreasonable. And that was the light bulb for me that I knew I could look somewhere else. And I knew that talent like mine would find a home. And I didn't plan on finding the home I did, but I'm really happy here, even though it's not as easy, right? But I make this choice on a, on a daily basis. And I think there's a ton of empowerment in that. So here's my challenge to you. This is my, my call to action for you. I want you to think about your current situation. I want you to think about how your current situation could be better. And I want you to think about how you can potentially make it better. Um, you have leverage being an A player. And I'm not saying you need to go to your manager or you need to go to senior level uh, management and say, I demand more money or, or whatever. That, uh, quite frankly, you're probably worth more than what they're paying you right now. But that sets a really contentious tone that may not be worth the the argument itself. But I want you to think about the way you feel appreciated. I want you to think about the way you feel you're treated, both by your company and by your customers. And I want you to think if or about the idea that if you started treating them differently, if they would start treating you differently. And I'll parlay that into another uh, concept, and I'll finish with a story. Um, I want you to think about your customers, and I want you to think about which ones you could live without. 
Or I want you to think about the customers that you feel you have to have because you keep, uh, you have a revenue number to keep. Um, but the ones that maybe are higher maintenance than they're worth. Um, I've said this before, you'll never have a better day than when you fire your worst customer. And there's something about that psychology because I've done this before. And actually my my favorite story about this is when um, I mentally fired a customer and didn't actually have to physically fire that customer. But as soon as I made the shift that I didn't need his business, I started treating him a little bit differently. I started uh, acting a lot more matter of factly. I started my, the tone of my language was different. Um, And I basically had the attitude of like, look, dude, I don't need you. And as a matter of fact, you're probably preventing me from earning more customers that would be more like my best customers. So look, I'm happy to fulfill your orders. I'm happy to serve your needs and the needs of your customers, but I'm not going to put up with this. I didn't even have to say that. As soon as my demeanor changed, he started treating me differently. It's interesting. I think about it now and in this moment, actually, the sooner I started treating my managers differently and just acting a little more confident, a little more um, well, matter of fact, and, and just having a different demeanor about me, the way they treated me changed too. So who can you fire? Who can you mentally live without? Is it your worst customer? Is it your manager? Is it your corporate structure? What can you do about it? What will you choose to do about it? What are your options? And hey, you know what? On one hand, maybe it's time to go. On the other hand, maybe it's not so bad and you just needed an attitude adjustment. Think about that stuff. This idea that you can never be good enough because they're always going to ask you for more, that's a fallacy. Because there are places where people with talent like you and talent like yours are very much appreciated and appreciated in more ways than just your W-2 or your 1099 or or whatever. Um, I can get into the whole salespeople are coin-operated debacle in another, another piece, but I just want you to recognize the choices that you make and the way you handle situations determine how you feel about those situations. Well, what do you think? I want you to find a spot, find a pad, find a pen. I'm going to ask you a few questions here. I'd like you to write about them. I'd like you to think while you write. And this may turn into a five-minute exercise. This could turn into a 25-minute exercise. I want you to give this. I want you to give these questions the space they need. Okay, that's all I'm going to ask for from you. But your current situation right now. How could it be better? What would make it better? Can you make it better yourself? What can you do to make it better? What are your other options? Sometimes you don't recognize what your options are until you sit down and think about them or until somebody on a podcast asks you to stop and think about them. But um, as soon as you recognize that you have options... Things get a whole lot better. You recognize that the choices you make are 
purposeful. And even if you're choosing not to choose, you're still making a choice. Right? The status quo is a choice. We don't like to think about it that way, but it is a choice. And when you know that you're actively choosing the status quo, it's because you believe that that is the best option for you right now. And when you think that something that you maybe aren't that enthused about, when you recognize that that is actually your best option, well, it changes things for you a little bit, doesn't it? The choices you make determine how you feel about the things that you do. So just get in touch. Be a little more mindful about the things you do every day. Be a little bit more mindful about the choices that you make for yourself professionally, personally, with your family, all those things. It's going to make a big impact. So I don't have much more to say about this. Um, I think the questions that I've just asked you are pretty impactful, pretty profound. I'd be curious to hear what you come up with. And if you're stumped with any of them, look, reach out. You know how to get a hold of me. Let's walk through this stuff. Let's talk through this stuff. If you really feel like you're stuck, well, reach out and let me see if I can help unstick you or at least give you a little bit different perspective. I'm not going to change your mind on anything, but I will give you options and ways of looking at stuff that you hadn't considered before. And if I don't hear from you, I hope you hear from me in another couple days when the next episode comes out. Thanks for being here. Again, you have a ton of choices. You're choosing me. I can't tell you how humbled I am by that. I really appreciate that. And I hope to be able to talk to you again very soon. Rethink the Way You Sell is a Pot About It production. It's mixed and edited by Doug Branson, with music by Blue Dot Sessions and Doug Branson. This podcast is masterminded by Jeff Bajorek.